Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And for the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. And I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, a number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And you can send messages to the show also at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan in the chat room. And also, you can send messages to the show on Twitter at goforitgan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T, goforitgan. So you can hit me up on Twitter. Give me a follow there on Twitter at goforitgan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former NFL corner, Willie Williams and Willie has some good big time athletic gear out right now and uh he's gonna to talk to us about that, talk to us about uh some of the things going on in the league, mainly his Steelers, who have a big game tomorrow against the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers finally, finally got back to winning as they were able to beat the New York Jets and Geno Smith last weekend at the Meadowlands. And they have the Ravens this week, so it's a big opportunity for the Steelers. Um, to get themselves back on track and and to turn their season around. I mean, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they don't, especially after the first few weeks of the season, it seems like they're not as as explosive as they once were on the offensive side of football. Seem to be missing a Mike Wallace, a guy who was big time for them, a home run hitting type of wide receiver that was with them last season. But anyway, Pittsburgh Steelers 1-4 and at this point in the season. And if they win tomorrow... You know they're 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 kind of if they win tomorrow you look at it I mean Cincinnati's four and two but if you win tomorrow um, you put yourself in a position to be about two to be two games behind the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFC AFC North and, and you have an opportunity to play them a couple times so you have an opportunity to pretty much put yourself back in contention to ultimately win the NFC North you play uh, Cincinnati one more time I should say. But you win that, you have an opportunity to put yourself back in position in the AFC North. Also expected to be joined by Seahawks long snapper Clint Grisham. And Seattle coming off a, a big victory against Arizona on the road, a place that has not been all that great to Seattle over the years. But they won in, uh, in Arizona, an impressive performance by their defense. Carson Palmer throwing interceptions left and right. 
right and left, and ultimately they were able to win that particular ball game. But give a lot of credit to uh, the uh, Cincinnati, not the, the Seattle Seahawks going into Arizona, because this team is totally different on the road. There's like a totally different animal on the road. They're they're a total a different animal on the road. They really are, and. You look at it, I mean, you, you remember playing Carolina earlier in the season. They won 12-7, to and they came back and had a big-time performance against the 49ers the following week. So you, you look at this team, and, you know, they're a totally different animal on the road in comparison to being at home. But, again, they were able to go on the road and have a level of success and ultimately, ultimately move this thing forward for them and be on top of the NFC North, NFC West, excuse me, probably the most complete team in football, those Seattle Seahawks. And, and Russell Wilson, he just surprises me each and every time. Some of the things that this guy does, I mean, he, he does some amazing things. He does some flat-out amazing things. But we're going to talk to Clint Grisham about all those things. I want to start now, big football game uh, tomorrow night, Peyton Manning returns to Indy. I don't know if you you know that. I don't know if you haven't. I don't know if you've heard that. But Peyton Manning returns to Indy, to the place where it started, the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, and it's going to be an interesting ball game. You know, I mean, the, the Colts obviously they're a different team, and they 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 bring in an Andrew Luck to replace a Peyton Manning. You look at the decision many years ago by Jim Irsay to move Peyton along and bring in Andrew Luck. And at this point, you have to say, seems like a good decision. And even though Peyton Manning is playing at an all-time level, even though Peyton Manning is still getting it done, there was no guarantees that Peyton Manning would return to the Peyton Manning of all. No guarantees at all. So there were people out there who didn't believe this guy would ever play a game again in his life. So the talk was out there. The talk was out there when it comes to Peyton Manning. Now, I, I look at it, and obviously, you know, the Colts had to make a decision. They had to move on with their franchise. And, again, Andrew Luck is, at this point is looking like he is going to be a franchise-caliber quarterback, the type of quarterback that you can build your team around. He's looking like he's going to be that guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of – in talking about this whole game, it's been a little overshadowed by some comments by Jim Irsay, the owner, of the Indianapolis Colts, and he likes to talk a lot. And he made some interesting comments this week in talking about Peyton Manning and his years in Indianapolis. Quote, we've changed our model a little bit because we wanted to be wanted more than one of these, and he's referring to uh, the Super Bowl ring on his hand. Brady never had consistent numbers, but he has three of these. Pittsburgh has two. The Giants had two. Baltimore had two. We had one. That leaves you frustrated. He went on to say, you make the playoffs 11 times. You're out in the first round 7 out of 11 times. You love to have the Star Wars numbers, Star Wars numbers from Peyton and Marvin and Reggie. Mostly, you love this, waving his Super Bowl ring around as he talks. And he's basically saying they changed the model. They became a different team. The model of, of, of putting their team together has changed. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, a lot of people have criticized him for making these comments, and I don't really think they were all that negative. All he was saying is that he changed the model, and I guess the part that can be perceived as negative 
you know, you went to the when, when he says you went to the playoffs eleven times and you lose in the first first round seven of those eleven times. And yeah, that part could be a little dig at Peyton Manning, a little dig. Um, he went on this. He, he tweeted out uh, later. Quote, those expressing negativity, negativity excuse me, about the concept of building well-rounded teams around quarterbacks to achieve championships have negative agendas. He went on to say, the noise doesn't bother me. To quote the most loved indie cult of all time, I wanted to stay. Jim wanted me to stay. Circumstances forced our hand. He went, he, and this man loves to tweet. He, he went on to tweet some more. My comments meant if we gave Peyton better supporting teams, in defense, we would have more than one Super Bowl instead of asking Peyton to do too much. He went on to tweet, it's hard to see how any individual can understand them any other way but control sells, controversy sells, so I understand the game. Let's get something started. And, you know, he, he went on to tweet some more, but the, the bottom line is this. I mean, I don't really – I mean, you look at Peyton Manning, and yes, maybe if he had a better defense, maybe – they would have won more Super Bowls. Maybe they would have got out of the first round more than seven times. You look at Peyton in the playoffs. You look at Peyton in the playoffs, and this is a guy that for as much regular season success as he's had, he hasn't had a lot of playoff success. He hasn't had a lot of playoff success. He hasn't. I mean, he ultimately got to two Super Bowls, but you look at all the times he's been in the playoffs. You look at all the years he's been in the playoffs, and you're saying maybe Jim Mercer is right. Maybe there should have been more. And maybe those more were a byproduct of his team's not, doing, his team's not being well-rounded, not having well-rounded football team. Maybe that's a byproduct of Peyton Manning going 9 for 11, career in his playoffs, 9 for 10 with the Colts. But, I mean, his career he's a career 9-11 and 11 quarterback in the playoffs. That has to be better. But let's look at Peyton over the years. I mean, 1999, he first went to the playoffs. I mean, you look at his game, they ultimately would lose to the Tennessee Titans, who went on to go to the Super Bowl that year. But they lost that game. He was only 19 for 42, 227 yards. And that was a game they were uh, in Indy in that particular game, and they lost. And, you know, so you look at it, and that's not big-time numbers. I mean, you look at him the following year in 2000, on the road against the Dolphins. Um, they lose to the Dolphins 27, uh, 23-17, excuse me. Peyton Manning only 17 for 32 with 194 yards. I mean, it, the numbers are not great for some of his uh, losses, obviously, but he's had some good numbers over the years. But, you know, he ran into Tom Brady a few times, and, lost to Tom Brady. Um, so you, you look at Peyton Manning and you're wondering there should be more. You remember back in 2005 against the Steelers where, you know, they they were big time that whole season, big time that whole season, and they go up against the Steelers. And Peyton wasn't bad in that game. Wasn't great, but wasn't bad in that game. Ultimately, they would lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ultimately, he would break through in 2006, 2007. They lose in the first round to San Diego. 402 yards for Peyton, two picks in that particular game. Not an awful performance. Again, they would lose again to San Diego the following year, and then they get to the Super Bowl in 2009. Ultimately, they would lose to the New Orleans Saints, and the New Orleans gets it done. And then 
2010, they lose to the New York Jets. And in that particular game, I mean, the Jet Peyton wasn't all that great either. Two big inter- uh, 225 yards, one touchdown. He wasn't all that great in that particular game. And then you look at last season. And if we want to talk about Peyton Manning in the playoffs, you look at last season. You know, he had a big-time year. The Broncos had a big-time year. The Broncos, in my opinion, were a better football team than the Ravens last season. And then I look at that particular game, Peyton Manning, yes, 28 for 43, yes, 290 yards, yes, three touchdowns, but two picks, two big picks. And one of those picks were in overtime that set up the ultimate game winner, field goal by Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens. Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens. But I look at this, and, and Peyton Manning in that game against the Ravens in overtime, throwing across his body. I mean, that's unheard of. You don't do that. You're a veteran quarterback. You know you don't throw across your body into the middle of the field. That's bound to get interceptions. Only bad can come from something like that. But, you know, you look at Peyton over the years, and, you know, maybe the criticism by Jim Irsay, if you can look at it, maybe he's on to something. Maybe there could have been more. Maybe if Peyton played better, there could have been more. Maybe if the defense played better, it could have been more. Maybe if they had a a better supporting cast. I mean, you look at Indianapolis, and you didn't look at their defense. You looked at Peyton Manning over the years. So maybe there could have been better. I I mean, I don't think think the, the comments were all that negative and all that bad. Again, to talking about losing, you know, seven times in the first round and you know, making the playoffs 11 times um, and, and Luke going out in the first round seven times, maybe that's a little shot at Peyton Manning. And, you know, everybody's going to come out and defend Peyton Manning. Everybody loves Peyton Manning. Many people don't say a bad word about Peyton Manning. And his coach, John Fox, came out and supported him, had his back. John Fox, John Fox, excuse me, told Sirius XM, I saw the comments, and to be honest with you, I thought it was a bit of a cheap shot. To me, in my opinion, they were disappointing and inappropriate. I mean, Peyton would never say anything. He's too classy to do that. But they sound a little ungrateful and unappreciative to me for a guy that has set a standard, won a Super Bowl, won division titles, won four MVPs. I'd be thankful for that one Super Bowl, Super Bowl ring because there are a lot of people that don't have one. And, you know, Jim, Ers- Jim Fox, John Fox, excuse me, coming out and supporting his quarterback, and you can't blame him for coming out and supporting his quarterback. That's his quarterback. That's his quarterback. You know, you can't you, you don't blame him you can't blame him for that. But I again again you look at that, those comments and uh, first of all, and a lot of people are saying Peyton's now gonna be more pumped up uh for this particular ball game. First of all, you know Peyton Manning coming into this football game is pumped up. You know that. it's not gonna take comments by Jim Ursay or anybody else, quite frankly, that's gonna pump this man up even more. You know he wants to come back to Indianapolis and show out. You know he wants to come back to Indy and show out. But you know what? On the other side, Andrew Luck, I believe he wants to do the same. He wants to do the same. He wants to show, you know what, this, 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 this Colts crowd and that, you know, I'm a good quarterback too. Yes, at this point in my career I'm not Peyton Manning, but I'm a good quarterback too. I'm a good quarterback as well. I'm a good quarterback as well. So, you know, people are going to say what they're going to say. But the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. 
Peyton Manning's going to come out and want to have a big-time performance. Andrew Luck is going to come out and want to have a big-time performance. Both of these guys are going to have big-time performances. I think it's going to be a shootout tomorrow. I'm expecting a shootout. I'm expecting big-time performances out of Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. And I think the Denver Broncos prevail. But I think it's going to be a big-time football game. Obviously, a lot of pomp and circumstance with the whole Peyton Manning thing, which is understandable. He was the Colts. He helped build Lucas Oil Stadium. It was Peyton Manning and his greatness and what he's done over the years. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that, many believe the Colts could be elsewhere. May not be in Indy, but Peyton Manning was big time during his time in Indy. He's big time throughout the course of his career. But tomorrow's going to be big. Tomorrow's going to be big. He hasn't had the playoff success of his brother Eli. He hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't had the, uh, the playoff success of his brother. Doesn't, hasn't had it. Hasn't had the success of his brother. Hasn't. Just hasn't. That's the reality of the situation. He hasn't had Eli Manning-type success in the playoffs. Just hasn't. But, again, Eli has hadn't, hasn't had the type of regular season success of Peyton Manning and really hasn't had the type of career of that Peyton Manning has had. And, and you looked at it uh, a few years ago when, when Eli won that second trophy and won that second ring. You said to yourself, maybe, maybe, Eli, Eli, maybe Eli now is and will surpass Peyton Manning when it's all said and done in the history of this game. Judging by some of the seasons that Eli has had since then, last season wasn't great. And even this season, I mean, this season has just been awful. Fifteen picks leading the league. Fifteen picks already. Leading the league. You remember, we were talking and lauding Eli Manning. But now, it, I, I don't think there's really a question at this point. When it's all said and done, Peyton Manning will be the best Manning. And some could argue could be the best to ever play this game. I don't think so. He's probably not the best in his era. I mean, Tom Brady probably is the best in this era when it's all said and done. Over Peyton Manning. Over in the past 10 years, you have to say, Tom Brady, Tom Terrific, and all the great things Tom Brady has done. But it should be a great game tomorrow in Indy. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and we'll see how Peyton Manning, obviously he's going to get received big time by the crowd. Obviously. Obviously they're, they're, they're going to give him the, the longest standing ovation. Obviously they're going to give him his proper due. Obviously, they're going to clap and celebrate the great Peyton Manning as they should. He was great in Indy. He's still great, putting up big-time numbers, video game-type numbers. And I think it's going to continue tomorrow against the Indianapolis Colts. Should be a good one. Should be a shootout. I want to continue to stay. I want to stay in the NFL, and I want to look at Carson Palmer. Um, Last. On Thursday night, I mean, Carson Palmer was not very good. I mean, he he just was not very good. 
and he has not been very good in a long time. Has not been very good in a long time. You know, you 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 look at Carson Palmer, and you're you're wondering now, how's Carson Palmer getting all these opportunities? How's Carson Palmer still finding a way to stick around in the National Football League? How's he doing it? How is he doing it? You saw Thursday night against the Arizona against the Seattle Seahawks, Cardinal Seahawks Thursday night football. And, you know, he threw two big picks in that particular game. That's 13 picks for the season for this guy. Eight touchdowns, 13 picks. I mean, you look at that offense of the Cardinals, Carson Palmer just doesn't scare you. And I don't think he's scared anybody. He hasn't scared anybody in a long, long time. He hasn't. He hasn't scared anybody in a long time. Since he went down, in that playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Carson Palmer has never been the same player. He's never been the same player. I mean, he's been awful. He's been awful. Can you believe the Raiders gave all that up for Carson Palmer, first and second for Carson Palmer, for Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer. Can you believe the Raiders and what they gave up for Carson Palmer? So much. I mean, this guy, let's look at him pre-injury and after the injury. Pre-injury, 2005, 32 touchdowns, 12, only 12 interceptions. 2006, 28 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Came back. Came back, you know, and was strong the season after. But after that, I mean, it really has been downhill for Carson Palmer. It really has been downhill for Carson Palmer. He has not been the same player. After that injury, he hasn't been the same player. 2006 was decent, but after that, 2007, 20 and 26 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, 2009, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 2010, 26 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, and then in rate with the Raiders, 13 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Not bad in, in 2012, 22 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. But he, the days of Carson Palmer, I think being a, a bona fide starting quarterback in this league, have long been over. They've long been over. And I know Arizona, you look at Arizona. They haven't found a quarterback since Kurt Warner, and they've been looking to replace Kurt Warner for the last few years. Skelton, Kevin Cobb, Carson Palmer, Derek Anderson. They've been trying over the years to replace Kurt Warner. They have not done it. Good defense in Arizona, by the way. Very good defense. The thing about it is good defense, but they haven't, they're not getting the play out of the quarterback. And it's not going to change anything. The quarterback play is not going to change. Carson Palmer is what he is, average to below average quarterback at this stage of his career. At this stage of his career, he is truly what he is. He is what he is at this stage of his career. And I don't see it getting any better. So as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, 
if you're the Arizona Cardinals, and I know at this point it is what it is, you're stuck with him at quarterback. You still haven't replaced Kurt Warner. You still have not replaced Kurt Warner. You haven't. And quite frankly, unless I don't know when they will do it. I mean, they've tried. It's not. It's not like they didn't try. I mean, Kevin Cobb, they gave him a boatload of money, but he flamed out, couldn't stay healthy. Ultimately, he moved on. They tried John Skelton. Wasn't good enough. Derek Anderson, they thought maybe he could come in and be have a level of success. He wasn't good enough. And now Bruce Arians brings in Carson Palmer. And as we saw and as we've seen throughout the course of this season, 13 interceptions, he hasn't been good enough. I mean, 13 interceptions at this point of the season – only Eli Manning is worse, and Eli has been bad throughout the course of this regular season. Eli Manning has been bad. There's, there's no getting around that. Eli Manning has been bad. He's been bad. And the Giants as a whole are a bad football team. You know, I didn't realize how bad the Giants were. I mean, I watched them a little bit first few weeks of the season, and I finally got to watch them for a whole game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And when I watched them, you know, I could see why they're on six. I can see why I can see why they have the record that they have. They don't really protect the quarterback all that well. Defense in the secondary is not really all that great. Um, and you know, the secondary really wasn't that great for the Giants over the years. They just had a good enough pass rush to to overlook some of the deficiencies that they had in the secondary. But I look at the New York Giants, and I realize how bad of a football team they are. They are a bad football team. And I don't think there's any getting around it. They are a bad football team, a bad football team. They are. They're a bad football team. It's just no sugarcoating it. And 0-6 shows that. 0-6 shows that they are a bad football team. 0-6 oh, shows that they are not very good. Just not. And as a lifelong Giant hater, I'm happy. <laughs> Told you, I'm happy. Let's switch gears now. Baseball, last night, the St. Louis Cardinals... And this is, you know, you look at the St. Louis Cardinals over the years, this has been a tough bunch. This has been a tough baseball team. This baseball team always has found a way to get it done, and they're back in the World Series once again. Waka, waka, waka is all you can say. Michael Waka comes out, pitches another big-time performance for the Cardinals, beats Clayton Kershaw again, and ultimately gets his team to the World Series. I mean, Clayton Kershaw got rocked last night, got beat on last night, got beat on last night by that Cardinals offense, and Michael Walker did the rest, did the rest. 9 nothing domination by the St. Louis Cardinals. Walker, the MVP of the NLCS. Walker, 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 13 innings. 13 and two-thirds innings, scoreless innings. And he beat Clayton Kershaw, not once, but twice. 
beat Clayton Kershaw twice. It's not like he's going up against the second, the third, the fourth starter. He's going up against the number one guy, Clayton Kershaw, and he beat him twice. Beat him twice. Kudos to Michael Walker and the St. Louis Cardinals. Again, they're back into they're back in the World Series. Back in the World Series, an opportunity to win their third title since 2006. This has, and you know, I remember this team when they were beating up when they beat the Phillies uh, a few years back, and you know the Phillies came in there with the, with the, the big four of Holiday and Hamels and Oswalt. You know, and then we, we, we talked about how great the Phillies pitching staff was. We talked about how great they were. And you know what? The Cardinals beat that great team, beat that great Phillies team, 100-win Phillies team, big-time Phillies team that particular year. And you look at them. And they find a way, no matter what, no matter when. You know, everybody doubted the Cardinals. You know, they lose their big-time guy, Albert Pujols. And guess what? They still find a way to be successful. They still find ways to be successful. Michael Waka. Michael Waka. Waka, Waka, Waka. 22 years old. Michael Waka. Beats. Clayton Kershaw two times. Yes, that Clayton Kershaw. Yes, that 16-9 Clayton Kershaw. Yes, that under-2 ERA Clayton Kershaw. That guy was beaten twice by Michael Walker. Dodgers sent out their best pitcher. They sent out their best guy. And he found a way. To lose to the St. Louis Cardinals. And they didn't find a way. It just beat great pitching, beats great hitting all the time. Great pitching beats great hitting all the time. And there were some great pitching by Michael Walker and the St. Louis Cardinals, and they're off to the World Series. Who will they play? It's between the Tigers and the Red Sox. And we look at this game, game six tonight, Tigers-Red Sox. Final two games here in Boston, six and seven. Seventh game, if necessary. Seventh game, if if necessary. Max Scherzer on the mound for the Tigers tonight. Tigers win game seven. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander now goes on to the mound. So I look at it. I look at Scherzer. I look at Verlander. And you say to yourself, yes. Obviously, the Red, Red Sox have to be the favorite from the standpoint you're coming home game six and seven, two games to win one in your building. Obviously, you have to say advantage, Boston Red Sox. You have to say advantage, Boston Red Sox. Two games to win one. But then you look at now, which is always the great equalizer in baseball, pitching. Just like goaltending is a great equalizer in hockey. Pitching is a great equalizer in baseball. 
And on the mound, you have Max Scherzer, 21-8, guys probably going to be the side young winner in the AL. And then you have Justin Verlander, big-time pitcher. You can throw those two guys out there now. Game six, Scherzer. Game seven, Verlander. You've got to feel okay about your chances. If the, if the Tigers lose this series, I think we have to go back to what happened in game two, where Scherzer pitches a gem, 108 pitches. He's done. Can't go no longer. At that point, six outs, you have to get, you're up four. Five to one. You're up five to one, and you've got to get six outs. You've got to get the six outs. You got to. Obviously, they didn't get the six outs. And the man who loves it when they call him Big Poppy, David Ortiz, with the big-time grand slam in the eighth, and ultimately the Red Sox in walk-off fashion win game two, six to five. Now, you look at it. Tigers win that game. They're up 2-0, going back to Detroit, three games in Detroit. Obviously, I think the, the the mindset of the series changes. I, I I think I think everything changes. But by Boston stealing Game One, they take back the momentum of the series. They change the dynamics of the series, and ultimately they're one game away from winning this series. But again, I look at it. I look at it. Tigers, Scherzer, Verlander, six and seven. If you can get to seven. You have to say that the Detroit Tigers are not in a bad position. They're really not in a bad position right now. They're not. They're really not. But history has shown us over the past few years, when it comes to Mike's, uh, Max Scherzer, when it comes to Max Scherzer and, and his team needing him to come up with big-time performances in big spots, he hasn't been all that great in these playoffs over the years. 2011, game six in the ALCS against the Texas Rangers. Max Scherzer only pitches two and one-thirds inning and gives up six earned runs. Ultimately, the Tigers lose 15-5. to five. Game four of the World Series. Last season, game four of the World Series, Max Scherzer on the mound, closeout game for the Giants, Tigers down 3-0, Scherzer gives up three earned runs in six and a third innings. Not very good. You look at it, 2012 ALDS, Tigers, A's, game four. Had an opportunity to clinch it for the Tigers. Couldn't do it. Verlander would come in the next day and handle their business for the Tigers. So, you know, yes, Max Scherzer, Scherzer excuse me, has been great throughout the course of this season. Yes, Max Scherzer was great in game two. But an important spot. Over the years, in the playoffs, 
Max Scherzer hasn't really come up big. Has not really come up big. And as we've seen, Boston was able to get his pitch count up. And ultimately, because his pitch count was up, he was not able to finish the game. And because he wasn't able to finish the game, Boston was able to benefit from the Tigers' bullpen. They were able to get some runs off that Tigers' bullpen, and ultimately getting runs off that Tigers' bullpen got them the victory. But again, 6-7. and seven. Tigers have an opportunity. Scherzer, Verlander, they have the opportunity to get this victory. They have an opportunity. This series is not over, far from over. When you can throw out Verlander and, and Scherzer, when you can throw out those caliber of pitchers, when you can throw out those two, doesn't matter where you play, doesn't matter who's in the lineup. If those guys are rolling, they're going to be tough. The Tigers, I should say, are going to be tough to beat. Very tough to beat. And we'll see how it happens. We'll see what happens. Mike Napoli has been big for the Red Sox. Does he continue? Obviously. I love it when they call him Big Poppy. Big time. Big time. But, but, you look at it. You look at it. When you look at what we've seen in game two, when you look at the magic of the Boston Red Sox and how they played in these playoffs and just how they played in these playoffs. I mean, you look at them. Other, I mean, Big Poppy, you look at Poppy and you you look at what he's done in these playoffs. Of course, in this series, I'm just focusing on the series. Other than that Grand Slam last weekend, Big Poppy hasn't big been all that big. Other than that slam, Poppy hasn't been all that big. Hasn't been all that big. But never doubt Big Poppy. Never doubt these Boston Red Sox. And, but at the same time, never doubt these Detroit Tigers. And with all that being said, I look at game six and seven, I think Scherzer's going to come out and pitch a big time, have a big-time performance. I think the Tigers are going to get this to Game 7. I think Verlander is going to take it home. I think the Tigers down 3-2, going back to Boston, with the pitching they have in Scherzer and, and Justin Verlander, I think the Tigers win Game 6, win Game 7, and ultimately win this series. I like the Tigers in 7. I'm expecting big-time performances by those guys. I'm expecting big-time performances by those guys. Scherzer, I'm expecting him to come up big tonight. And I'm expecting Verlander to send this thing home Thursday night. I mean, excuse me, Sunday night. I, I, I'm expecting Verlander to do his thing. I'm expecting Verlander to do his thing. And we'll see what happens 
moving forward. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We see what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's that Rossi. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. On the line now is, is a guy who's played 13 years in the National Football League had a successful career with the Steelers, with the Seahawks. Let's bring him in now, former corner for the National Football League and for the Steelers and for the Seahawks, Willie Williams. Willie, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, and yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem at all. Willie, let's get right down to it. You played for the Steelers for many years. I mean, this is a team that had had its struggles this season. I mean, this is a team – Finally won last week against the Jets, 1-4 right now. This is a team that a lot of people think will not make the playoffs and a team that obviously has taken a step back. Do you think the Steelers could turn this thing around? Uh, you know what, uh, looking back on it, um, you know, of course, you know, we wish, uh, the Steelers are struggling right now. There's a lot of things that um, they have to correct if they want to uh, get an opportunity to make the playoffs this year. But I always go back and I tell people I can remember um, – uh, Super Bowl 30 years that we started off three and four and a lot of people was counting us out and uh, we end up you know turning it around and end up playing in Super Bowl 30 uh, that year. So I always um, I'm always um, you know as a professional athlete and professional football team I always give teams chance to really turn it around and I think they have the opportunity but at some point if they keep the team to play the way they are now. Um, the chances are going to be very slim to make the playoffs this year. But I'm hoping they'll turn it around uh, real soon against Baltimore this week. Do you think they do turn it around? Um, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, defense, they always, you know how it is, uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, they always play each other. There's always be a, um, a battle game where, you know, whoever plays well on defense, better on defense, is going to win the game. And um, a game like this, uh, Pittsburgh can't afford to make any mistakes. Uh, the offensive line, they have to really, really be on their P's and Q's uh, when it comes to protecting men this week. Now, I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the thing about it is they're one and four right now, but Cincinnati's mm-hmm. four and two, and no one is running away with that division. You look at it, mm-hmm. if they can beat the Ravens, to your point, they can get right back in this thing. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you just can't count them out just yet. It's still early in the season. Um, it, they're one and four. It's a lot of football left. Uh, Sixteen season games, um, but you just can't count them out. Uh, anything can happen, but they have to play well this week to turn it around. Uh, Baltimore is not a pushover team this year. I mean, they, the defense is still there, even though they don't have Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed. But you know, they, they still have a good defense for this game wise. 
Now, Willie, you played 13 years in the National Football yeah. League, and as we know, the game has changed so much since you left in 2005. When you watch today's game, tell us what you see. Uh, I see a lot of guys that are really uh, skeptical on when they hit an offensive player uh, because of the rule change. Uh, I, I, you know, I want the NFL to really protect the players, but they're taking out the aggressiveness uh, out of the game right now because uh, every every fan wants to see a big hit, but now uh, you got the secondary. They have to be careful where they hit a receiver. Um, uh, it's going to get to a point, guys, where a lot of these defenders are going to go for the legs or knees or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you're going to see a lot of knee injuries because you can't hit yep. up top anymore, it seems like, because every time you hit up top, there's always a head-on-head collision or a shoulder-to-the-head or whatever. I mean, I think it's getting out of hand a little bit, but and that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of guys going at the legs and a lot of knee injuries. I think that's just my opinion, and I hope it don't come down to that. But the rules, it, it really, really – you know, taking the fun out of the game right now. Now, and to your point, we saw what happened with Randall Cobb last week when Matt Elam of the Ravens went low. And, you know, obviously on the surface, obviously NFL players and talking to them over the years, they'd rather protect the legs than the head. And, and so when you, when you see those type of hits, and, and to your point, you look at the NFL, it's almost like there is no such thing as the perfect hit. And the perfect hit and making the perfect hit almost seems, I don't want to say impossible, but kind of hard to do. I mean, if you were playing today, how would you handle this? these rules? Uh, well, the way I handle it, I'll try my best to try to still, um, you know, just go out there and try to play the way I, I normally play and just don't worry about getting a fine. But I just got to be, if I want to go up top on a receiver or a running back, I got to be careful where I place my head, you know. Right. And, and that is just, you know, it's, like you said, it's never a perfect hit because sometimes you run into the side or you're going head up or, you know, one strange thing about a running back, you lower his head. But now there are rules for that, too. Um, right. right. But um, I just got to go out and just, just play. But for me, at the 5 nine corner, um, knowing that I can't go top, okay, well, I'll just go low. Uh, I have to. Right. Uh, I've went low before. I took a knee to the helmet. I still got a concussion. So either way, right. you know, if you go low and you get a knee to the head, you can still get a concussion. Um, but, you know, I, I commend the NFL trying to clean up the hits to, to take the players, uh, which I don't fault them for that at all. I mean, no one should suffer uh, the symptoms after a concussion once they retire. But, you know, it is what it is, and they're just taking the physicality out of the game. We're talking to former NFL corner Willie Williams. And, Willie, as we know, you played 13 years in this league. And overall, how's your health? Uh, my health is good. Um, I've been through the concussion test and all that stuff. Uh, right now, my brain is fine. So I'm, uh, uh, for my body, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of joint issues. Um, you know, of course, you know, that's just where it's here on your body. Uh, it, it comes with the game. If I didn't do it all over again, guys, I'll do it. But um, it's certain things, you know, I was the type of corner that really wanted to hit people. And right now, it, it's, it's, it's showing but I just, it is what it is, fellas. I mean, I love the game. I'm coaching the game. My my kids play. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But as far as the concussion thing, I think it's really a big scare to all the, the players out there because of what's going on. But um, uh, I'm, I'm feeling well. As long as my brain is good, I'm fine. I can deal with the joint issue with no problem. I can right. take one, you know. Definitely. Now, did you have any uh, trepidation in terms of letting your kids play football? Were you were you a little nervous about that, or, or you just said, you know what, this is what I did, let them play? 
Yeah, I, I was nervous because uh, back in my mind, I can when I retired, I can see that the game a lot of guys starting to get a lot of concussions, and when my oldest son uh, started playing high school football, you, I was really a little nervous because um, at the high school level these days, these guys are, are, are taking it real serious. They they're bigger, they're faster when I played mm-hmm. in high school, and you know, yes, of course, you know, I'm not that nervous. Uh, my youngest son now, he's a freshman. He just started freshman. He's a freshman year in uh, high school. My uh, oldest is a freshman in college. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous, uh, but hopefully that they, you know, go out there and um, if they get any little ding, that's a concussion, come out, tell your coach or tell a trainer or whatever, and don't sit there and, and say, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I just hope they, you know, take care of the responsibility and let people know that they got their bell wrong. Now, I mean, you, you talk about that and, and players admitting that, you know what, maybe I do have a concussion. And you, you look at the NFL, you look at last season, you look at Alex Smith, for example. He's a guy playing big time. He was playing decent football for the 49ers, got the concussion. Ultimately, Colin Kaepernick steps in. He, does, he doesn't get the job back. You can kind of see why guys would, would, would try to, to fight past a concussion and not admit that they have a concussion. Right. I really do see that. Because, you know, a player, as an NFL player, you always want to go out there and perform the best that you can so you can get that contract, okay? So Kaepernick had an opportunity to go in, and uh, the other guy never, you know, he went out there, performed, and the other guy never got his job back. But sometimes players do do that. They get injured or um, might go out there and pull a hamstring or turn an ankle or whatever. Those guys don't want to come out of the game. They want to stay because they know that the league is so competitive if someone right. goes out there to take, you know, in front of you because of the injury and go out there and perform, that's what they're gonna stick with. I mean, that's just how that's just how the league is. Uh, of right. course, you know, a lot of guys probably they bail around and say, "No, I'm fine, I'm fine." But in the long term, you know, you, you're not fine. Definitely, we're talking to former NFL corner Willie Williams, and Willie, the NFL recently settled the concussion lawsuit, seven hundred sixty-five million dollars. Some players thought it was enough, others thought it wasn't enough. Your thoughts on this whole concussion lawsuit and how it was settled? Uh, I, I think I think it's enough. That's, that's, that's showing everyone that the NFL is really taking this serious. Um, but the only thing is, is, is why did it have to be at this point? It should have happened a long time ago with a lot of things that was out, but but they were trying to cover it up. I mean, right. um, but I, I think it's a fair deal. Um, and just take a, you know take care of the players that really need that help, that are really struggling with um uh, with the issues with the brain. Take care of those. Of course I don't know how mm-hmm. I don't know all the details of it. You know, I was part of the lawsuit. I don't know what's I'm fine with it because I'm supporting the guys that are struggling right now because I know a couple guys that are struggling because of concussions. Take care of them and their families. I'm fine. Okay. But and, whatever you know, go go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Oh yeah. Well whatever it is, take care of them the ones that really, really need it. Um Take care of the ones that need to go to get these, uh, to get the treatment. Take care of the ones that need to go get tested. Uh, you know, of course, if I need to go get tested five years down the road, okay, it's there for me. Okay, but I'm I'm fine right now because I already been through the testing on my own because I want to know where I was. Uh, okay. After then, once the concussions and all this stuff starting to happen, I want to see if something was wrong with me. But I'm fine. Uh, up top now, now why, I am. Why did you join the lawsuit? What, what was uh, your reason uh, for joining it? Because I had some guys, you know, they were thinking that they were getting uh, treated unfairly. And, you know, a lot of my guys, what really got me to get involved with this was Julius Fayal. 
and he killed okay. himself. I'm like, okay, yes, okay. because I knew Junior Seau, I knew him personally, and that okay. really had me thinking. And I can recall back, okay, so I know I had me some serious concussion. I know I have. Okay. I had three serious concussions. I was like, okay, okay, what if that was me or what if that was someone outside of Junior Seau that I played with for 13 years? You know, I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, at least they didn't take care of the players. But the only thing that I was concerned that the NFL was trying to deny everything back in the past, okay, and try to put it on, oh, it's not from playing football, it's not from concussion, it's from something else or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that was made me upset about it. So, you know what, right. I'm going to join this lawsuit. Because they're not That's really, you at, at one point, we was thinking that the NFL just turned it back on the former players. Right. Okay? I mean, we, you know, we, we sacrifice our bodies for these NFL teams to take care of us when we retire. Right. Okay? Definitely. So that's, that's, that's some of the reasons that I, I, I joined the lawsuit. We're talking to former NFL corner Willie Williams. And, Willie, in the NFL, Thursday night football games, a lot of players openly complaining uh, about these games. And Quan Bolden came out and says, you know, playing on Thursday night and, and some of the things that the NFL is trying to do, it's all about the money. And it's really not about the safety of its players. Do you agree with Anquan? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because if you think about it, guys, you got teams that play on Sunday, okay, and then they got to turn around and play a Thursday night uh, football game. One game is enough for wear and tear on your body, okay. I can see if you have a game on Monday night and then you got to turn around and play this Sunday. That's that's fine. But Thursday night, that's too close in between from Sunday to Thursday. It's just too close. Um, yeah, and it's, it is all about the money because they got to yep. continue to get those revenues, but right. still yet you want to put it a collective bargaining agreement to share the revenue, share more revenue with the players. They're the one that's sacrificing. Okay, and I totally, I totally agree with it. I mean, as a player, on side of the players. Okay, we, we're not, I don't want people to think, the fans think that all these players agree, they get enough money. No, it's not all about that. It's not about that. It's all about the safety right. of these players. A lot of these players want to retire from the game so they can walk straight. Mm-hmm. Okay, they want, to, they want to retire from the game and be able to think straight. They don't want, don't want to have to go through the symptoms of, of, of having concussion. They don't want that stuff. Okay, and, and it's really it's scary, guys. It's really scary. Um, I went to the NFL game and these guys. I mean, I tell you, the impact of these guys now is just so tremendous. The speed of the game is so much faster, mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's really really. Um, uh, it's scary. It's really scary. Now, I, I, you, you talked about it, you know, in terms of Thursday night football and everything. Take us through. I mean, if you play on Sunday, how many mm-hmm. days does it take for your body to get, quote, unquote, right before you can go into a next game? How many days does I'll, it take? I think it'll probably take, because um, you got to think about it, guys. On Sundays, okay, we'll go in, watch film. Get a little it's all about how you take care of your body the day after the game now, okay? You can't go out and have all this beer and <laughs> go out party all night. You know, it's right. all about how you take care of your body. But normally I would think it would take probably between a day and a half to really recover from that one game if you were a start, starter on defense offense because you're getting a lot of snaps, okay? Right. And then it all depends on to be ready for that game, that following game, it all depends on how your coach takes care of you during the week, Okay. okay. Uh, Bill Coward, when I played for Bill Coward, he did a great job of taking care of his players during that week going into that next game. Even though, even if we go out and get our butts kicked or whatever, he's not going to go out and have hard practices just because he lost. No, he'd stay with that same format because he knows we need to recover from that previous game to get ready for the next game. Okay? 
So normally it'll probably take you about two, a day and a half or two days to really recover from that game if you, you know, out there being a starter and you continue to play and run around and banging bodies. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it can get to a point on a Monday where some guys, it takes them a while to get out of bed, you know, they drag it. And it's just it, that's just the impact of the game. I mean, the the, the NFL is just a level uh, that is not suited for everyone. Right. Not for long. Yeah, NFL not, stands for not for long. NFL, not for long. <laughs> not for long. Now, now, Willie, you're doing big things now with your X-Pro gear. Some uh-huh. kind of, it, it's athletic gear. Tell us about this gear. Okay, yeah, it's uh, what I want to do, guys. When I retire, I always want to do something um, that I can give back, not to the NFL, but to um, former and current players to give them an opportunity to have something that they can call their own. So I, I came up with the, with the concept of, of, you know what, um, let's come up with our own sports performance wear. Okay, the X-Pro, that's why I wanted to have the name X-Pro because of who I am, but not just me. you got other former athletes, but I want current athletes, too, to be a part of this. So it's just sports performance wear. And, and what we have, guys, we have access to a technology that's been out there for a while that we're implementing into our recovery wear. And what that does is it retains your lost body energy and we miss it back into your body through the fabrics that's out there, that's, that we use in our uh, products. Okay? okay. So, and, and my focus is I want to get this, these garments on um, the, the the professional players so they can test it, which I've already done. I have some guys that test the product already, and they love it. They, they find themselves being more recovered when they wear it, put it on. But uh, we also have just a regular sports performance where for people just want to go work out or, or you know, just want to go out and jog in or whatever, we provide garments for everyone. This is for everyone. It's all about the lifestyle, okay? Fitness is, is part of the lifestyle that we live. So we uh, we just launched uh, a couple of days ago. Um, it's going to be a slow process because you know it's so competitive that the market is saturated. But I think we're different because of what we're trying to offer um, uh, individuals that want to try to recovery wear and so they can test it and really buy into what we're trying to do. It's not about uh, going out there. You athletes as athletes, we put our bodies through so much and we want to try to recover as quick as possible. And I'm very fortunate to be able to run into the uh, inventor of this technology that is allowing us to implement it into our product. Now, you know, Willie, I'm, I'm a guy now, recently went to the doctor. doctor gave me some bad news, told me I had some high blood pressure. So I, I can uh-huh. use some X-Pro gear in my life. Yes, you can. I mean, it's so, <laughs> God, it's so much. This technology provides so much for your body that I'm not the one to really explain it to you. The, the guy that invented can really tell you the benefits of of wearing these products with the technology. I mean, it's it's right. amazing, guys. It's a lot of stuff that if you can go to my website, xprogear.com, and just click on Recovery Wear Products, you'll see all the information there, and you can get directly to, the, to, to their website that can help explain this technology. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's really beneficial body. I wear it every day. And trust okay. me, guys, when I wake up, I, I sleep in it, I work out in it, and I just feel I, I feel totally different when I don't wear it. I can tell a difference. Willie, you got to send me some X-Pro gear. Man, i tell you what. <laughs> you just email me your contact, and when this stuff come in, I'll give me your size, and I'll be glad to send you guys some products. So, so, fans, make sure you go to xprogear.com. That's xprogear.com, and that's X-P-R-O gear. Dot com. I, I got that all right, right? 
Yep, exactly. Okay. So fans, go support some of the great things Willie Williams is doing. Willie, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with this X-Pro gear, nothing but the best of luck with your health, and nothing but the best of luck in anything else that you're doing in your life moving forward. Let's do this again. Oh, yeah, no problem. You guys let me know when you need me. Take care. Okay, you do the same, guys. Willie Williams, former corner, Steelers, Seahawks, in the National Football League. Interesting insight on, on, on some of the things that goes on in the National Football League in terms of protecting his body, in terms of uh, recovery, in terms of uh, it's just some of the new rules in the National Football League. I mean, we saw Dominican Sue get fined recently, and, and that didn't look like a very vicious hit. He got fined $30,000. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You had Merton Hanks, the guy in charge of, of giving these fines and everything for the NFL, said he wanted to make example of, of Indomitian. So it wasn't the most vicious hit, but it, it was a hit that he felt like was egregious. He felt like was against the rules. Obviously, there was not a penalty called on that particular hit, but but he still was fined $30,000, a lot of money. Money doesn't grow on trees, and you can't play forever in the National Football League. 30000 is 30000 Second hour go for it coming up in this hour. Next hour, we're supposed to be joined by Seahawks long snapper Clint Grisham. Also, possibly Devin Alexander, who's preparing for his upcoming fight against Sean Porter. Devin's in the gym right now. He says if he can get out the gym in time, he'll join us. So we'll see if we can get Devin Alexander on as well. Second hour go for it starting right now. Second hour, go for it. Start it right now. And I want to start this second hour in Philadelphia. Big football game tomorrow in Philadelphia where you have the Philadelphia Eagles and you have the Dallas Cowboys for for supremacy in the NFC East. I mean, you look at the NFC East right now, NFC least as many have called it. Uh, Eagles 3-3, three three, Cowboys 3-3. Three three. Big-time football game. you got the Eagles coming off two uh, big-time performances against two bad teams, Buccaneers, not a good football team. Obviously, the Giants, not a good football team. Two teams who have not won this year. But, again, you play who you play, and it is what it is. But the Eagles came out, Nick Foles was impressive. Nick Foles was impressive over the past two weeks against those two teams. Nick Foles, Nick Foles, Nick Foles. I mean, I can't take anything away from Nick Foles and what he has done over the past two weeks. Am I a, a, a big-time Nick Foles fan? I'm not. I think he's, when it's all said and done, going to be an average quarterback. I don't see franchise quarterback, but I could be wrong. I'm a lifelong Eagles fan, so I hope I'm wrong. But Nick Foles, over the past two weeks, has been big time for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to start again this week for an injured Michael Vick. Michael Vick, hamstring is just not right. And they had a funny press conference the other uh, day, actually. What? It was both of them came out together. Together they had a press conference, and it's something you really don't see too often. But, you know, Nick Foles and the Eagles, 67 points over the last two weeks. Nick Foles, three touchdowns and one touchdown on the ground. So four touchdowns in total for Nick Foles last week. I mean, in two games, Nick Foles 
has more touchdowns passing than Michael Vick. Um, obviously, Michael Vick has more, you know, he has some touchdowns rushing as well. But Nick Foles has a rushing touchdown, too. So, I mean, uh, Nick Foles has come in and really turned some heads. Now, <clears throat> I want to caution everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to caution everybody in terms of, of the Nick Foles, Michael Vick thing. You look at Michael Vick and you look at the first four games of the season, he is not the reason the Eagles were one and three. He wasn't. Um, that defense has not and cannot stop anybody. They, they they haven't stopped anybody. They haven't over these few weeks of the season. The problem with the Eagles is it's not on the offensive side. It's not with the quarterback. The problem with the Eagles is their defense. It's not good. It's not very good. If Mike Glennon had a little bit more of a pulse, you know, he, he could have easily, if it wasn't, let's just say it was a, a, an average quarterback. I think at this point, Mike Glennon is a below-average quarterback. He's a rookie. But if it was a, an average quarterback, you know, you look at that game, Tampa Bay still scored 20 points. They easily, easily could have scored, could have scored 30 points if it was a quarterback with a pulse. If there was a quarterback with a pulse on the field, easily 30 points could have been possible. 30 points could have been possible. They scored 20, but they could have had 30. Philadelphia Eagles defense is not the problem. But I, uh, let's go back. Let's, let's forget about the defense. Let's look at who Michael Vick has played in the first four weeks of the season. Played Washington. Washington, not a very good team, but he was, he was big time in that game. Had two touchdowns in that particular game and, and played a good football game. Had one rushing touchdown in that game. Next week against the Chargers, a career high 428 yards. One rushing touchdown, two via the air, and, and and a big time performance in a game that they should have won. Chip Kelly, you can question him in terms of what he did in terms of clock management in that San Diego game. They handled that clock a little different. Maybe that game's a little different, and the Eagles easily could have been two and up. The fight, the next two losses: Denver and Kansas City. Kansas City, he was not good. They lost twenty six to sixteen, and I think if he was better, that's a game that they could have won. That's a game they definitely could have won. They just turned the ball over way too much. That was just a very sloppy football game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody, Damaris Johnson had a fumble. I know Jason Kelsey couldn't get the snap back to Vic, and then Vic had the two picks, of course, and he had a fumble, but that fumble was late in the game. But, again, turnovers really killed the Philadelphia Eagles on that particular day. And Michael Vic wasn't great, 13 for 30, 201 yards, and ultimately two interceptions and a losing performance, one touchdown from Michael Vick in that game. But you look at the following against the Denver Broncos, Denver Broncos, another big-time football team, undefeated. Kansas City, undefeated. Both of these teams, 6-0. and And, you know, Michael Vick was okay. He had some drops that could have been uh, changed the complex of that game. But if you look at that game, there really was no way the Eagles. Eagles would have to have scored. Uh, well, they scored, you know, look at the Broncos. They ended up scoring 52 points. They got a, they got a kickoff return. They got a block punt. I mean, the Eagles would have had to score possibly 60 points to stop the Broncos. And because the last fourth, the whole fourth quarter was pretty much garbage time. So the, Eagles, the Broncos could have scored easily maybe 60 points against that Eagles defense on that particular night. So Michael Vick had to be perfect. He, had to, he was 14 for 27, but he really had to be 27 for 27 if the Eagles really wanted to win that football game. And then the Giants game, uh, he went out. He was 6 for 14 in that particular game. But uh, he's doing big-time things on the ground. Um, and when he left, the Eagles were up 16-7. They were up 16-7 when he left for good. 
So that was a game he probably was going to win. And if they would have went, to, if he would have played against the Buccaneers, that was another game they probably would have won. Let, let me just give you the records of the two teams, the three teams that Michael Vick has lost to this season: Broncos six and zero, Chiefs six and zero, Chargers three and three. A combined total of fifteen and three. Michael Vick has played against has lost against teams who have a combined record of 15-3. and three. Conversely, Nick Foles, on the other hand, Nick Foles, on the other hand, he beat the Giants, who, as we discussed, are a bad football team. He beat the Buccaneers, who, as we all know, are a bad football team. And guess what the combined win total of those two teams are? Zero. Guess what? Zero. Giants 0-6, Buccaneers 0-5, combined total of 0-11. Those two teams are a combined total of 0-11. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. But, and that's not to take anything away from Nick Foles, because Nick Foles has been good. He was making some plays last week against the Buccaneers. More so, I I mean, I give him more credit for, for, well, obviously you've got to give him a lot of credit for coming off the bench, first of all, against uh, the Giants and being successful. And then you've got to give him credit, obviously, for what he did in terms of against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming into that week, into that game, I mean, they, they shut Drew Brees down. You know, held him to 19 points, I believe, in that game. You know, Tom Brady. You know, uh, Tom Brady wasn't all that great against that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And you know, so the defense as a whole for Tampa Bay really, really has played well up until that Eagles game. Up until that Eagles game, they've had success. I mean, they held New Orleans. I said 19 points was actually actually 16 points in that game. And that's the high-flying New Orleans Saints offense. That's the high-flying Saints offense. And then Tom Brady held him to 225 yards and one touchdown. So Nick Foles has had success against some teams this season. He's had some success this season. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Seahawks long snapper Clint Grisham. You're listening to Go Forward on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just don't see anything in the playoffs, time. In the playoffs, time, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt marry women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. 
We're back, and we're going to bring in a guy now who's, who's a part of a big-time football team right now, the Seattle Seahawks, coming off an impressive performance against the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Let me mind, let me let me remind you, in Arizona, this is a team in Seattle. A lot of people have questioned their abilities on the road. This is a team went home. They're world beaters. I mean, there's nobody I don't think out there that can beat the Seahawks in Seattle. When they're on the road, it's a different story. Become a different football team. But last uh, Thursday night, they were impressive, and they got the victory against the Arizona Cardinals. Let's bring him in now. Long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks, Clint Grisham. Clint, how are you? I can't hear you. Can you hear me? I hope you say something else. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Clint? Can you hear me now? Hello? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, all right. A little connection problem. Maybe it was your phone. Maybe it was us. Who knows what you're on right now. We look at it now, Clint. You guys. You went on the road, Thursday night football against the Arizona Cardinals, big-time performances, Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, and that Seattle Seahawks defense. Talk about your team's performance against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a great opportunity to go out and play in front of a big crowd, and I know that our whole, to- our whole team just really enjoys the opportunity to play uh, on the big stage like that. And, um, you know, we were just excited about our performance, excited to get a division win, and, uh Looking forward to a few days' break now. Definitely, and a big-time performance from you guys on the road. What is it about you guys in playing at home and playing on the road? You seem to be different football teams. What is it about the road, and what is it about playing at home for you guys? I can't hear anything here. Hello? Hey, sorry, man. We keep cutting out. I'm not hearing you very well. Okay, um... How about you call? You want to call back in? Sure, I'll call back in. All right, just, all right, let's call back in. All right. All right. Having a connection issue there with Clint Grisham. Grisham, excuse me. Hope to get him back. See if we can get this right. But he will be calling back. In a few moments. I mean, you look at the Seahawks, and what is about it? What, what is about this team in the road? You know, they're, they're world beaters, world beaters at home. And then on the road, they become a totally different animal, a totally different animal. We're going to get Clint back on in a few moments. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man. And we're back. And we're going to bring him in now. Let's bring you back. Seahawks long snapper, Clint Gresham. Clint, how are you, man? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Glad to have you back, and let's get back down to it. We talked about you guys and, and playing on the road. At home, you, you, you're world beaters. No one can beat the Seahawks in Seattle. On the road, you seem to be a different team. What is, about, what is it about you guys 
and played at home in comparison to playing on the road? Uh, I mean, I'd say definitely having the 12th man. I mean, having fans like, like we have is uh, is a powerful force that, that we have at home. And um, uh, so it, it makes it difficult for our opponents to come in and play in our stadium and in our environment. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think we're growing as a team. Like, we've been a young team, and we're learning how to travel well and how to uh, how to take our game on the road. And uh, I think any time you play against a division team, it's always going to be a good test. The Cardinals always play us tough. And, um, and l- luckily we were able to get out with a win. Now, have you guys done anything differently in terms of your compar- your uh, preparation and going on the road, has anything been done differently, or is it just uh, it just you guys are just playing better on the road? Um, I mean, just, I think just experience. Uh, Coach okay. Carroll prides himself on making sure that you know, no matter who we play, we're going to prepare the same way. Because the problem happens when you when you try and get up for a game, or you've got a game that you're supposed to blow the other the other team out, and uh, you have a tendency to play down to their level. And you go through peaks and valleys throughout the season. So uh, it really doesn't matter who we play. We're going to prepare the same way. We're not going to change anything up and, uh, and just take our game on the road. And one of the reasons you guys are able to take your game on the road is quarterback Russell Wilson. You see him up close and personal every day. I saw the game Thursday night against Arizona. and One of those plays, it seemed like Darrell Washington had him for a sack and he found a way to complete that particular pass. It was amazing. Ultimately, you guys got a first down on that particular play, and the drive continued. Are you amazed by some of the things that Russell Wilson does? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's an incredible athlete. He's, a, he's an even better leader, an even better individual. And um, I can't say that I'm su- surprised because nobody works as hard as he does. I mean, even in the off season. Okay. He's getting there at 5 o'clock in the morning and, and going over film and watching his games and, and refining his craft, and uh, and we're fortunate to have somebody like that at the helm. Now, were, were, were there any kind of surprise when the last year he came in as a rookie and he came in and was was big time and ultimately led you guys to the playoffs? Were you surprised how he was able to come in as a rookie and have the type of success that he had? Uh, I mean, I wasn't. Uh, okay. I mean, just watching him through through minicamp and uh, and OTAs and everything. I remember he came and he spoke at a camp that I was at, and uh, I remember telling one of the coaches that one of the high school coaches that was there at that camp that Russell was going to be our starter, and that was back in May. And uh, I mean, so everybody everybody could tell that this was a special kid, and that he was going to come in and do a great job. And he's done a great job for you guys. You guys currently. 6-1 and on top of the NFC West. We're talking to long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks, Clint Gresham. And, Clint, you're on long snapper in the National Football League, and it was your best opportunity to get into the National Football League. And one of the things about long snappers is we don't want to know who you are. And think about it, if we find out who the long snapper is, it's really not a good thing. Talk about life as a long snapper in the NFL, how you guys you, – you guys – if, if no one knows who you are, you're doing a great job. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a, a position of anonymity, and, uh, you know, you want to fly under the radar and just do your job and be reliable and consistent. And um, So I just I just count it a great privilege to be a, a part of a fantastic organization like the Seattle Seahawks and um, just getting to go in and contribute in, in a winning team and uh, just happy with my role here on the team. 
when did you realize that being a long snapper was your best opportunity to stick and stay in the National Football League? Um, I mean, I started snapping when I was in high school, and uh, my dad played football at the University of Texas, and he still had a great relationship with the coaches there. And uh, so one of them suggested when I was in high school, I was uh, probably spring of my sophomore year, suggested for me to learn how to long snap. So I ordered a VHS tape and just sort of taught myself how to do it in the backyard and uh, was really looking for more of a way to beef up my resume than anything else. And uh, I didn't realize that that was actually going to be what would get me a scholarship at Texas Christian University and eventually get me a shot in the NFL. Now, how does one hone their craft in terms of long snapping? What do you do to keep sharp and to be effective as a long snapper? Um, just lots and lots of reps, just like anything else. I mean, the more you do it, okay. the better you get at it. Um, so lots of reps. I do a lot of uh, visualization, uh, a lot of reading work, um, because you get to a certain point where it, it becomes, especially with snapping, it's so much more of a mental thing than anything else. So just being able to pray, uh, play free and uh, have your head clear is, is the most important thing. We're talking to Seahawks long snapper Clint Gresham. And, Clint, last weekend there was a DVD handed out to many of the fans in Seattle called Making of a Champion. Talk about this DVD and talk about how much faith plays a role in your life. Yeah, um, it's the most important thing in my life. I mean, there was a time where I was empty and alone, and Jesus came and he set me free and he gave me purpose and he gave me a dream and uh, has satisfied all my needs, and that's what he wants to do for people. And so uh, I got the idea over the summer talking with a friend of mine who did something similar to this with a soccer player named Ricardo Kaká. And uh I've got a, I have a roommate who's a videographer, and uh, I started talking with some of the guys on the team who are Christians and just thought, man, this would be something really cool to do. So uh, we produced it, you know, over the last couple months and had uh, 28,000 copies of the DVD and um, have got a great response. We posted it on YouTube. I think we're up to 170,000 views yeah. and are just excited about uh, the expansion of that and um, – just being able to, to use the platform that God's given us to talk about what really matters in our life and why we play this game. And I, I'm a man of faith myself, and I wanted to get your take on this. I, I, I'm one who believes that God does care about who wins on Sundays. I, I think God cares about everything. I think God is in everything. Your thoughts on that? Do you think God cares who wins on Sundays? I think God's interested in getting the glory. And so whoever wins, as long as that person gives him glory and gives him honor, uh, I think that that's, that's a victory. Okay, okay. So it's all about after you win or even, you know, even in loss, giving God the praise and the honor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. And right now I look at you guys, 6-1 and one on top of the NMC West, and I'm saying to myself and looking at you guys, you probably are the most complete team in football, just my opinion. Do you think you guys are the most complete team in football at this point? Well, I'd probably say I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because I'm with our team all the time, and I love our team, and I love uh, everything about this organization. So I'm going to say yes. Uh, but uh, And it, we're certainly playing like that. I mean, there's, there's obviously right. some things that we can improve on. And, uh, you know, we got a few days off right now, so I know guys are getting rested up, looking forward to getting back and uh, getting to play the Rams on Monday night next week. 
And so, uh, I mean, it sure seems to be that way. So hopefully we can pull it together here. And you do have the Rams next week, Monday night. And you obviously, I'm just looking at your records and just watching you guys throughout the course of the season. I believe you guys are better teams than St. Louis Rams. So it could be one of those situations now, going up against the Rams, where you guys have to keep your mind up and, and not have a letdown. How do you avoid the letdown against the Rams? Um, just trust your preparation. I mean, like I said earlier, we're, we're not going to change anything. Uh, we prepare for every team the same way. And... Um, but I'll, I'll say this: I mean, every time we play the Rams, they play us tough, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna work hard and and prepare and do everything we need to do to give ourselves the best opportunity for a win. Now, Clint, you have a website. Where can fans connect with you on that website to to see some of the great things you have going on? Yeah, um, I got a website. It's clintgresham.com, and you can connect with me there. Uh, I've got my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram all connected with that. And uh, if you want to watch the video, it's makingofachampion.org. And uh, you can go and watch the video and see what's going on with Making of a Champion as well. And I watched it on YouTube uh, today, actually. And then I saw that you had, like, uh, at the point, at the time I was watching, about 166,000 views when I was watching it. And it's an interesting video and definitely uh, a compelling uh, video. So, fans, make sure you go out and, and check out this great video. I mean, Clint Grisham, I always respect guys, and you know, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people criticize Tebow for for wearing his religion on his his sleeve, so to speak. But I always respect guys who who can take a stand, take a position, and sometimes it's an unpopular position, an unpopular stand. But I always respect guys who who can take a stand and not have a problem taking a stand. So I I got to give you. Uh, much respect for what you're doing out there with this video and, and how you wear your, sleeve, your faith on your sleeve and how important faith is to you. So I definitely have to give you credit for that. Yeah, man, thank you so much. You know, we're really excited about the project and uh, for the opportunity to, to share about the thing that's most important to us in our lives and uh, just wanted to help people and give them hope and let them know that there's a God out there that loves them. And uh, no matter where you're at in your life, God loves you and he wants to provide for you and uh, provide all of your needs. Clint, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. All right, man. Thanks so much for the opportunity. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right, man. See ya. Clint Gresham, long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seattle Seahawks, one of the better teams in football, probably the best team in football. You can look at Denver. You can look at Kansas City. But in terms of a complete team, I have to say the Cincinnati, not the Cincinnati, the Seattle Seahawks are the most complete team in football. And if those two two teams were going to play Seattle and Denver or Seattle and Kansas City, if they were to happen, if that was going to happen in the Super Bowl, I'd have to favor the Seattle Seahawks. This is a complete football team. And I know I had San Francisco going to the Super Bowl when this whole thing started, but I look at the way Seattle plays, and I'm impressed by what I saw. Let me go back now to Michael Vick and Nick Foles. And Nick Foles, again, has been impressive. Nick Foles has put up big-time numbers. But Nick Foles, again, Michael Vick, the combined total of the teams that he played, 15-3, and three, combined total for Nick Foles, 0-11. But, again, you got to give him credit. He's putting up the numbers. And we'll see what happens moving forward. I think if Nick Foles continues to win, Nick Foles has to continue to be the starter. If he falters, falters this week against the Cowboys, I think Michael Vick gets his job back. If if he plays big time, and if he plays like the way he's played over the past few weeks, 
I think he keeps his job moving forward. But we'll see what happens. I want to go now to Adrian Peterson. Um, last week, you know, sad story, one of his uh, sons uh, was killed in, in just an awful fashion by his uh by the mother's girlfriend, mother's boyfriend, excuse me, who ultimately was accused of killing Adrian Peterson's son. And, and I want to look at it, you know, obviously, you know, when, 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 a, when a little kid dies, when, when a child dies, it's um, very unfortunate. When anybody dies, it's, very, it's unfortunate. But when a child dies, it's, it's totally different to me. It's, it's, just, it's just sad, just the saddest thing ever in the world, especially as a father. It's just one of you know your worst nightmares, and obviously you feel for Adrian Peterson from that standpoint. He's a father, but you have to look at it. From, I'm, I'm going to look at it also from this standpoint. I, I thought it was a little too much sympathy. I don't want to say too much sympathy. Maybe that's the wrong word. I, I just thought it was just a little too much. On you know everybody saying you know I feel sorry for AP you know, sad for AP, so on and so forth. And, and you are sad for AP because ultimately he lost his son. But the thing about it is um, the first time he met his son was in the hospital. That was the first time he met his son. And part of that at one point in time, Adrian Peterson didn't know that was his kid, didn't know that was his son. Um, and he found out, found out about that a few months ago. And uh, apparently, according to some reports, he was preparing to eventually go see this child. It didn't happen, obviously. And he, he saw him, but he saw him, unfortunately, in the hospital. And it's a sad situation. And I look at it, and, and we look at Adrian Peterson now. We're, we're hearing reports that possibly at the age of 28, he has seven kids. He's unmarried at this point, but he has seven kids. And I, I think... The takeaways from this, I'm going to go off the field and, and talking about the takeaways from this whole situation. To me, the takeaway of this whole situation is this. Right now, Adrian Peterson is unfortunately planting seeds in and, and, and various places. Allegedly, he could have seven kids out there. We're, we're hearing that he has seven kids out here. He's planting seeds in, in various places. So my first take from this, and the first thing we should learn from this is be careful where you're planting seeds. And I, and I know I, I might sound a little preachy right now, but I think it's something we need to – this is my takeaway from it. You've got to be careful where you're planting seeds. And, and, you know, right now Adrian Peterson seems to be planting seeds in, in, in various places, a lot of places. And who knows? What if Adrian Peterson was in this child's life? Maybe this could have been avoided. Maybe it could, maybe it couldn't. Who knows? And I don't want to put that on him. But I will say this. He seems to be planting seeds in all different places. I mean, we, we, I'm looking at the New York Post, and I'm seeing this article, and I'm seeing, you know, a, a woman here who is, a, who is one of Adrian Peterson's baby mamas, and, and she was a gentleman's club dancer, a former gentleman's club dancer. Doesn't make her a bad person. Doesn't make her a bad person. Uh, not at all. But you've got to be careful where you're planting seeds. And, and if you have seven kids by multiple women, you're unmarried, you're not giving these seven kids the best possible life they could have. 
because the best possible life they could have is having a father in their lives. And if you're not doing that, AP, then you're planting seeds, unfortunately, in wrong places. And I look at it and I say, you know what? My first takeaway is be careful where you plant seeds. Because Adrian Peterson, unfortunately, is planting seeds in wrong places. I mean, seven kids possibly out here. Seven. Seven kids. And, you know, we gave a lot of sympathy towards AP. A lot of sympathy came his way, and and rightfully so, but I think more so the sympathy should go to um, the parent, the mother, of this child, <clears throat> and also the person who was raising the child before he found out it wasn't his child, uh, a, a man by the name of Tyrese Ruffin, and the son who died actually had his name, Tyrese. So, you know, I, I think a lot more sympathy should go there, but sympathy should go to Adrian Peterson. But I think, again, in terms of what Adrian Peterson is doing out here, you got to be careful, man, where you're planting seeds. And he's planting a lot of seeds in a lot of different places. And it's not really a good situation for Adrian Peterson. But hopefully moving forward, he'll learn from this, and I hope everybody will learn from this. But here's my second takeaway from this whole situation with Adrian Peterson. Here is my second takeaway. Be careful. Women, men, everybody out here, be careful who you leave your children with. Um, obviously, just Joseph Robert Patterson, who was the boyfriend of Adrian Peterson's baby mother, this individual has had some issues in the past with domestic violence. He, I mean, he, he's definitely had some issues in the past with domestic violence and with, uh, you know, doing physical things towards children. So he has a history of violence. This guy has a history of violence. And with that being said, you've got to be careful, women, men, people. You've got to be careful who you leave around your children. You've got to be careful. This guy was indicted back in 2012, June of 2012, of simple assault against his ex-girlfriend's three-year-old son. Spent time in jail for it. So you got to be careful who you're bringing around your children. you got to be careful who's with your children. It's always sad when people die, but it's it's just it's just beyond sad when children die. Two years old did not deserve to die. Did not deserve to die. So my two takeaways from this whole story is this: A, be careful where you're planting seeds. Adrian Peterson's planted seeds in some wrong places. I don't want to say wrong places, but too many places. Too many places. Seven kids, not married, 
It's not a good situation, not a good look. You're only 28 years old. It's not a good look. And also, number two, be careful who you let around your children. This may have been avoidable if Adrian Peterson could have been around. This could have been avoidable if Adrian Peterson's baby mother in this particular situation would have put the child in a better position. So be careful who you let your children around and be careful. And that goes for all of us, myself included. Be careful you bring your children around and be careful where you plant seeds. Two takeaways from this whole Adrian Peterson situation, and, and that's just my takeaway from it. And I wish Adrian Peterson and everybody involved in this particular situation nothing but the best moving forward. But it's just, it's just some things just don't have to happen. Some things do not have to happen. So you got to be careful where you plant seeds, and you got to be careful who is around your children. Let's move on. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant recently on Twitter changed his avi, changed his avatar to twelve twenty-five. He changed his avatar to twelve twenty-five. Change it up, twelve twenty-five. It's a picture in white with the numbers twelve twenty-five. What does those numbers mean? Well, the 12 means, it stands for ESPN ranking the Lakers 12th in the Western Conference. I have, I have the magazine in front of me right here today. I have the magazine in front of me. And, you know, they're 12th. They're ranked 12th. Ranked number 12. And I look at it. And the teams that are ahead of the Lakers, the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Mavericks. Now, you look at this this Laker roster. Have they done anything that leads you to believe, especially without Kobe Bryant, that leads you to believe that this team can be successful? I mean, have they done anything? We have to remember something about this Laker team. A year ago, we, let, let's let's not forget what this team was. A year ago, this was not a very good basketball team last season. It just wasn't. This was a team, even with Kobe Bryant, even with Dwight Howard, finished 45 and 37. Well, guess who has been subtracted from this team? Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard. So, obviously, on paper, you have to think it's a drop. Now, maybe Kobe Bryant comes back and has the same type of success he's had throughout his illustrious career. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. And that's always a possibility. But you look at the Lakers starting lineup, going into the regular season, Kobe Bryant's out. You got Nick Young in the mix, Kamen, Pau Gasol, Steve Nash. Is that anything? Do you see anything on that roster? Looking at the Lakers roster. Nash, Kobe, who's out. Nick Young, Gasol, 
Chris Kamen, Blake, Steve Blake, Jody Meeks, Wesley Johnson, Elias Harris, Jordan Hill, Jordan Farmar, Sean Williams, Ryan Kelly, Robert Sacred. Do you see anybody on that roster? And Kobe's not going to be playing possibly what? We don't know when Kobe's going to come back. But even if he does, how effective will Kobe Bryant be? How effective will he be? And I'll get to that in a moment, but the 25 in the 12-25 is Kobe Bryant's rank by ESPN in terms of the top players in the National Basketball Association. Kobe Bryant is ranked 25. Now, you know, I don't read too much into these rankings, but I, I, I say to myself, and, and here are some of the guys ahead of them, John Wall, Roy Hibbert, Joe Kim Noah, Chris Bosch. I mean, here, here's just name a few that are ahead of Kobe Bryant. I look at these lists, and I know, you know, Henry Abbott, one of the guys who helped compile this list, said it's based off what's going to happen in 2013-2014 season. So they're basing it off their projections for the following season, for the next season, I should say, for the season coming up, which is start, which starts, what, in a couple of weeks. Henry Abbott t- tweeted out, for the record, this year's NBA rank is specifically about expected performance in the upcoming season. Kobe's Achilles is a big factor, and it's a fair point. But, again, I never doubt Kobe Bryant. He's just one of those dudes you don't doubt. I don't doubt Kobe Bryant. I can't doubt Kobe Bryant. I won't doubt Kobe Bryant. I can't do it. I always look at these lists as who would you rather have. I don't think there's anybody on God's green earth, this beautiful earth that God has created. I don't think anybody on this earth would put Roy Hibbert, Joe Kim Noah, John Wall, Chris Boss. I don't think anybody on this earth would rather have those guys than Kobe Bryant. I don't think anybody would. I don't think anybody would. And you'd be a fool if you would rather have those guys than Kobe Bryant. But I can understand why they came up with what they came up with. But also, I can understand from this point. I've, I've, I've got a list here of top NBA players' careers ruined by Achilles. TheHoopDoctors.com. And it goes through a list of names of guys who ruptured their Achilles and what they did in their comeback. I look at a Maurice Taylor. Maurice Taylor, remember him, injured his Achilles at the age of 24, retired at the age of 30, before the injury, 14-5, and after the injury, 8 points, 3 rebounds per game. LaFonso Ellis, very explosive guy. Ruptured his Achilles at the age of 26, retired at the age of 32, before the injury, 15 points per game, after the injury, 9 points per game. So there's a drop. Christian Lakner, 29 when he injured his Achilles, retired at the age of 35, before the injury, 16 points per game, 7 rebounds, after the injury, 18, 8 points, excuse me, 5 boards. There's a drop. Mehmet Okor, 31 when he injured his Achilles. Retired a year later at 32, before the injury, 13.7 rebounds a game. After the injury, 6 points, 3 rebounds a game. 
So he played 604 games before the injury, after the injury, only played 30 more games. Ultimately, he retired. Gerald Wilkins, ruptured his Achilles at the age of 31, retired at the age of 35. Averaged 14 points per game in 717 games before the injury. After the injury, only seven points a game in 183 games and played four more seasons. So you're getting here. There's a trend. Elton Brand, and this one hurts me to my core. I remember when the Sixers signed Elton Brand, and we were so excited. Lifelong Sixers fan myself, so excited about bringing in Elton Brand. And before the Achilles injury, Elton Brand, 20 and 10. After the Achilles injury, Achilles injury, excuse me, 12 points, seven rebounds. He injured, got injured at the age of 28, still playing at the age of 34, but the numbers have dropped. Chauncey Billups towards Achilles at 35, still playing at 36. 15 points a game before the injury, after the injury, 8 points per game. Isaiah Thomas never was the same after the Achilles, never came back after the Achilles injury, did it at 32, retired at 32, and was not the same, did not return. Dominique Wilkins, though, he injured his Achilles at the age of 32, but he retired at the age of 39, and his numbers are comparable. 26 points per game, 6 boards before the injury, after the injury, 25 points, six boards. So pre-injury and after the injury, essentially the same. And now Kobe Bryant. What's going to happen with him? Let's look at the career numbers, 25 points per game, five boards, four assists, and 1,239 basketball games. Will he be the same Will he be the same? And I look at it, and I say to myself, if there's one guy who can be different, if there's one guy who can still be the same, it's Kobe Bean Bryant. He is special. He's one of those guys that you can never, I can't never doubt. I will never doubt Kobe Bryant. Until, until Kobe Bryant is done is when he's done. I have to see it to believe it. I can't predict Kobe Bryant being done. I have to see it to believe it. I have to see it to believe it. I have to see it to believe it. Kobe Bryant, I have to see that he's done in order to believe that he's done. He's one of those guys. He's just that special. And before he went down, he was playing at a fairly high level. But again, the Achilles injury is the Achilles injury. And I was reading another study um, about, you know, people saying that, I think it was with a doctor, was doctors involved in the study and everything. And they were saying, obviously, you have to be, you, you will hope doctors are involved in the study. But the doctor was saying that a lot of people don't return to what they were before the injury when you rupture an Achilles. And I, I've seen a few guys, you know, rupture Achilles and, it was an injury that always scared me. It's, it's an injury that always has scared me from the standpoint that, you know, I'm looking at these world-class athletes, and they're not the same after their Achilles injury. I don't want to rupture an Achilles. I don't think anybody was to, wants to rupture an Achilles. It's one of the worst injuries you can have. And I, I went through the list of players. 
obviously none of those guys on a, on you know the level of Kobe Bryant, Dominique Wilkins, you know, the only Hall of Famer out of the bunch. Isaiah as well, and we saw Isaiah didn't return, but Kobe, but uh, Dominique Wilkins came back and still had the success that he had pre-injury. Dominique came back and still continued to have the success. He continued to be successful. Continued to be successful. So I have my doubts. And again, you know, maybe Kobe is a little low on on that ranking. But if you look at history, you can understand why possibly 24 could be appropriate for Kobe. Maybe 24 is appropriate based on history. History tells us you rupture an Achilles, you have a hard time coming back. Isaiah never came back. Alton Brand has never been the same. Never been the same. But again, I don't doubt Kobe Bryant. I don't doubt Kobe Bryant. And I believe Kobe Bryant, when he comes back, is going to continue to have success. He's going to continue to have success. We'll see the type of success he will have moving forward. I want to go back to the NFL now. Legendary coach Bum Phillips has died at the age of 90. You know the great Bum Phillips, the the beautiful hats. When he's with the the, the, the uh, Houston Oilers and the New Orleans Saints, the big time hats, the big time personality. Bum, Bum Phillips was just a lot of fun. He just was a lot of fun. And his Oilers had a lot of success. They could not get by the Pittsburgh Steelers to save their lives. Could not do it. Could not get by the Steelers. The Steelers always found a way to get in the way of the Houston Oilers. Always found a way to get in the way of the Houston Oilers. Couldn't get by those Pittsburgh Steelers. But he had a great coaching career. Great character, funny guy, funny, funny guy, a lot of personality, the beautiful hats. But Bum Phillips is gone away from us today. Wade Phillips, his son, and you look at his Twitter handle, son of a bum. That is his Twitter handle, Wade Phillips. But anyway, Wade Phillips tweeted out, Bum is gone to heaven, loved and will be missed by all. Great dad, coach, and Christian. So we wish Bum Phillips and his family nothing but the best. Most, uh, Bum's gone, so we, we, we send our condolences to his family, Wade Phillips and all the Phillips that are out there, wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Unfortunate situation, but he had a long life, 90 years. Man, a lot of people would love to live 90 years. A lot of people would die to live 90 years. I mean, 90 years is a long, long, long time. Long time. A lot of people will love it. If you told a lot of people, you told people that before their life started, you had 90 years on this earth, you would you would be so, so happy. But Bum Phillips, 90 years on this earth, and 90 long years, we wish his family 
nothing but the best moving forward. And how about Roddy White now for the Falcons? Out. Falcons without Julio Jones for the rest of the year. Roddy, Roddy White gone for this particular football game. You look at the Falcons now. And this is a team, you know, coming into this season, this team has Super Bowl aspirations. Over the last few seasons, there, there's been talk of Super Bowl, especially last season, a lot of talk of Super Bowl for this Falcons team. And now you look at them, one and four right now. One and four. And you've got New Orleans in that division who was five and one. And so you're obviously, you know, you're four games back. Not impossible, but they need New Orleans to really, really tank it. They need New Orleans to really tank it, and I don't think New Orleans is going to tank it. That's the only way they can win that division. But now they have to look at the wild card. And at this point, no Julio Jones for the rest of the season. Your other wideout, your other big weapon, Roddy White, banged up. So it, it's, it's going to be an uphill climb for Matty Ice and the Atlanta Falcons. Defensively, not a very strong football team defensively. So this is going to be – this could be the year where the, the Falcons take that step back. This is the year that the Falcons, A, may not even go to the playoffs. I mean, they're one and four right now, one and four, and let, let's let's look at their schedule, and this that could uh, tell us a lot about the Falcons moving forward. They have Tampa this week. This is a game they should win at home. You got to beat Tampa at Arizona, at Carolina. The next three games are very winnable, so they easily could be four and four at the end of week nine. Then. Seattle at home, at Tampa, New Orleans at home, and then at Buffalo. We're just going to take it four games at a time. Seattle is a winnable game. Seattle's a totally different team on the road. Tampa, that's a winnable game. They have New Orleans at home, which makes it winnable. And then at Buffalo. You know, they could easily go 3-1. and one. They could easily go 3-1. and one. And at that point, be what? 7-5. and five. With four games left, at Green Bay, home to Washington, at San Francisco, home to Carolina. The final four gets a little tougher. You know, at Green Bay, home to Washington, at San Francisco, home to Carolina. That's a two-and-two type of situation. So they could be theoretically, when it's all said and done, a 9-7, and 10-6 type of team, and still get into the playoffs. You don't want to see the Falcons in the playoffs because even with, you know, obviously they're missing their two big weapons. Well, they're going to miss their big, their other big weapon than Roddy White, but Julio Jones is done for the year. But if Roddy White can come back and have health, and be healthy, to go along with Tony Gonzalez, Steven Jackson, he's coming back. If he can stay healthy, you know, you still give the Falcons an opportunity defensively they're not a good team defensively. They're not getting to the quarterback. And so they're having some struggles on the defensive side of football. They really are. They're 26 against the pass. So teams are having some success against them, against the pass. And you look at teams, when you see teams having success against other teams, when you see teams who are not stopping the pass, you have to look at their pass rush. They're not getting to the quarterback. They're not, they're not getting to the quarterback. And that's big. You're not getting to the quarterback. 
it's not a good situation. I mean, you lose to the Jets at home. And I looked at the schedule, and I'm saying those are manageable, manageable uh, games, and, 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 you know, you could win those particular games, but you lose to the Jets at home, and then Jets are an average football team. So you lose to the Jets at home, that's not a good look. That's not a good situation. So <clears throat> I look at the Atlanta Falcons and I say, yes, they can get back to being successful. Yes, they could get to the playoffs and, and still be 9-7, possibly 10-6. and six. You're, you're assuming they probably have to win 10 games, 10 games to to get and put themselves in a position to make the playoffs. Probably have to win about 10 games. I'm trying to get the standings up here now so I can look at it. But I'm assuming 10 games is what they probably need to get themselves in the playoffs. I don't think any team in the NFC East is going to be a viable option for the wild card, but I do see in the NFC North, Detroit, Chicago, or Green Bay, one of those two teams, three teams are probably going to be there in terms of winning a wild card spot. I definitely see that. And then you have, obviously, the loser of the NFC West, whether that's Seattle or San Francisco. So it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult just looking at the standings, looking at the NFC North, the Lions, the Bears, and the Packers, and then looking at the NFC West, and just looking at teams who possibly could get to the playoffs and get that wild card spot. The 49ers, one of those two teams, San Francisco or Seattle, is going to possibly get that wild card spot. So it's going to be uphill for the Atlanta Falcons. But I looked at their schedule. It is manageable. They can turn this thing around. But they're going to need better play from the defense. They're going to – Matty Ice is going to have to be better. He's going to have to be better. He's going to have to be better with less. He's going to have to be better with less. He's going to, I mean, Matty Ice, you look at his numbers, they're not bad. They're not bad at all. Ten touchdowns, only three interceptions. But when your team, I mean, they're just, and you you saw them last year in terms of their defense. It wasn't all that great. But the team had a little more playmakers. John Abraham, a guy who can get to the quarterback consistently, he's gone. But the Atlanta Falcons, right now, right now, <clears throat> this is a team that has some work ahead of them. This is, this is a team, even if they put in the work that's ahead of them, still may not make the playoffs. We'll see what happens moving forward. I want to thank Clint Grisham for stopping by. Make sure you support some of the great things he has going on with his uh, making of the champions. Google, uh, Google it. Go to YouTube. Uh, definitely a big, nice video. Nice touch and very inspirational. So we want to thank Clint Gresham for stopping. We also want to thank Willie Williams, former NFL corner, for stopping by. Support some of the great things he has going on with his ex-pro uh, athletic line that's out here now. And maybe I need some of his 
athletic line moving forward so I can get my workout on and be successful. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for again. Go there. Hit us up on Twitter at go for again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And also, also, Listen to this show and other past shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.